morning, everybody. I'm Pastor Stefan. It's great to be with you this morning. I know what you're all thinking. You're all thinking, when on earth is Stefan going to preach a sermon on Zephaniah? Oh, today's the day, my friends. It is your lucky day. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 14 to 20. It's in the sticky pages, page 1,349. If you're a little rusty... (laughs) On your Zephaniah, let me give you a quick, quick uh, refresher. Zephaniah was a minor prophet who spoke to the people of Judah. Uh, Jerusalem was in Judah. And he warned them about the day of the Lord, that the day of the Lord is coming. That was the, that's the big deal in the book of Zephaniah. The day of the Lord is coming. God is going to show up. Um, and the day, of the, Lord, the day of the Lord is going to be the result. And it was going to be very big. It was going to be very dramatic. And a lot of kind of crazy things are going to happen when God shows up, when God shows up in the day of the Lord. So the day of the Lord is coming. Zephaniah 3, beginning at verse 14. Listen to God's word. Sing, daughter Zion. Shout aloud, Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day, they will say to Jerusalem, Do not fear, Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. I will remove you from all who mourn over the loss of your appointed festivals, which is a burden and a reproach to you. At that time, I will deal with all who oppressed you. I will rescue the lame. I will gather the exiles. I will give them praise and honor in every land where they have suffered shame. At that time, I will gather you. At that time, I will bring you home. I will give you honor and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your very eyes, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. So Zephaniah is a book about the day of the Lord. It's a book about the future. Have you ever noticed how your assumptions about the future have a huge impact on the way that you live your life today? Our assumptions about the future have a huge impact on the way that we live our lives today. For example, let's say that you're starting a new job tomorrow. And you don't really know anything about your new job, but you show up and you get in your new office and the conditions are terrible. And you're in this small little room and the lighting is kind of pale yellow and it's got this musty, smelly thing going on. And it turns out that all of your work is just going to be brainless and boring. Two scenarios. Scenario number one. Your new boss comes in and he tells you, hey, yeah, your, your work is going to be terribly boring. Sorry about that. It's going to be 10 hours a day. 
and it's going to be five days a week, and at the end of the year, you're going to get one check for $30,000. How are you feeling about this? How are you feeling about yourself? How are you feeling about your present? How are you feeling about your future at that point? Because your future does not look very good, these next 12 months are going to be miserable. Scenario number two. Your boss comes in and tells you, yes, your work is going to be terribly boring. It's going to be 10 hours a day. It's going to be five days a week. And then at the end of one year, you will collect a check for $30 million. Eh, it's not so bad. <laughs> oh, work's going pretty well, actually. How about you? <laughs> Frankly, I've been enjoying my job. I show up at work on Monday morning and I'm whistling. I get there early. Sometimes I stay a little late just to make sure the boss man knows. Really grateful for my job. Thanks for asking. You don't mind doing something terribly boring for a year if it means that you can pretty much do whatever you want for the rest of your life, right? So you're going to show up in your present differently because you know something about your future. You know that thing about your future. You know that, that $30 million check is coming in 12 months, and that changes the way that you show up today. My point being, our assumptions about the future, the things that we see ahead for us in the future, have a huge impact on the way that we live in the present. So we read this morning in the book of Zephaniah. Zephaniah is about the future. Zephaniah is about the day of the Lord. If you were to sit down and read the book of Zephaniah today, it would not take you more than 10 minutes. It's a shorty. There are three chapters in the book of Zephaniah. And the first two and a half chapters are all judgment. It's all bad news. It's all woe. It's God speaking to his people, and he is angry at them. He is angry at their disobedience. He's angry at the tragic mess that they've made, and he's describing this future for them. He's describing this day of the Lord for them, and it does not look good. In fact, uh, the, the first thing that God says in this book, he begins, it's verse 1 or 2. He says, I will utterly sweep away everything from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. Wow. I will utterly sweep away everything from the face of the earth. In the day of the Lord, I will sweep away man and beast, birds of the heaven and the fish of the sea, and I will cut off humankind from the face of the earth. Very drastic. That's an interesting view of the future. And for two and a half chapters, the book of Zephaniah goes on like this. Woe to you, Jerusalem. Woe to you. The Lord is coming. Woe to you, Jerusalem. Everything is a mess. Woe to you, Jerusalem. You're not listening to me. Woe to you, Jerusalem. The day of the Lord is coming. The day of the Lord is coming. These are not verses anyone's putting on their Christmas card. The day of the Lord is coming. As a pastor, I think that maybe more than any other question, the, the most popular, frequently asked question I get has to do with this kind of language in the Bible. Is God that mad? What's with that Old Testament thing? He's so angry. 
It's all about punishment and, 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 and shame and judgment and so on. What's the deal with all of this woe in the Bible? It's so hard to know what to do with it. Sometimes it makes God seem really angry, right? And if not angry, maybe even a little bit vindictive. He says, on the day of the Lord, I will cut off humankind from the face of the earth. God sounds almost eager, almost a little excited to punish people. Is that true? Is God eager to snuff us out? You know, there are, kind of my observation here, there, there are branches of the American church that very much operate that way. That judgment is the main thing. There There are branches of the American church that seem to me at least to be so confident in their own holiness and so confident in their own correctness that they are eagerly awaiting the judgment of God so that they can stand there and watch while God smites the people who don't think like them or act like them or believe like them. It's almost like this ultimate, I told you so. I once read an essay by a pastor, and he's writing about... um, if you drive, it's often through the countryside or something. You drive through the countryside, you'll see these roadside billboards that will have like Bible verses painted on them or sometimes these really pithy um, evangelistic calls for repentance. And so he's writing this, this essay and he's reflecting on this one sign that he saw that said, smile, our God is a consuming fire. <laughs> smile, our God is a, is a consuming fire. And he thought, smile. Why would someone take delight in God's judgment? Why would someone take delight in something that is just so terribly grim? And so this pastor, who's uh, uh, one of the better people in the world, I think, was saying, you know what? Um, it could be the case that the person who, who put up this sign, it could be the case that they're drooling for vengeance and destruction. That could be, or maybe that's not the case. He said, maybe there is something to smile about in the judgment of God. Maybe there is something to smile about knowing that God is a consuming fire. If you want... If your Bibles are still open, keep your finger in that Zephaniah passage, but then flip with me to the passage from last week, Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3, beginning at verse 17. It's on page 1,462. So this is what I'm about to read is another lectionary text for today, so we get paired with like four or five of them. This is another lectionary text for today, uh, and it's right where we left off last Sunday. Uh, in this sermon text. And in this text, John the Baptist is talking, and he's talking about the arrival of Jesus, just like Zephaniah. He's talking about the day of the Lord. He's talking about this impending judgment. Um, And he says, in verse 17, John says, His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff in unquenchable fire. There's the consuming fire, okay? Okay? 
There's that mean, vindictive God that we talk about sometimes, right? But then is this really interesting verse, verse 18. And it says, And with many other words, John exhorted the people and preached the good news to them. The good news to them. God is a consuming fire. You're welcome. How do you make the connection between this unquenchable fire of judgment in verse 17 and the good news in verse 18? Because it seems like there's, there's, there's this great big disconnect there. It seems a little bit like John the Baptist is saying, smile, God is a consuming fire. Here's the thing. John is not a vindictive and vengeful person. John is not eager for people to get snuffed out. John is eager for evil to get snuffed out. And he is eager for brokenness to get snuffed out. And he is longing for the future that God has promised. God isn't out to get his broken people as much as he's out to get the things that have broken his people. Okay, I'll say that again. God isn't out to get his broken people as much as he's out to get the things that have broken his people. So if you were to sit down with the entire book of Zephaniah today, this afternoon, at 10 minutes it would take you, and you were to read the whole thing from start to finish, you would see that the first two and a half chapters of this three-chapter book, it's all doom and gloom until the last half chapter. And it's like somebody flipped a light on. It's like somebody's flipped a switch. Zephaniah is still talking about the day of the Lord. He's still talking about the judgment of God. He's still talking about this impending future, but he's talking about it so differently. Suddenly... The day of the Lord isn't something to be dreaded. It's something to be embraced. Here's the thing. God isn't against us on the day of the Lord. He's for us. He's for us. Verse 16 says, On that day, on the day of the Lord, I will say to Jerusalem, Do not fear, Zion, Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord is with you. The Lord is the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you with his love. He will no longer rebuke you, but he will rejoice over you with singing. Isn't that's I think that's one of the best word pictures in the Bible. God says, I will rejoice over you with singing. It just occurred to me this morning, you know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of the angels in the sky. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Singing that song over the Christ child, but not just the Christ child, also Mary and also Joseph and also the shepherds and also the entire city of Jerusalem and also over all of the people of God who will ever live. On the day of the Lord, Hezekiah says, I will re- God says, I will rejoice over you with singing. So this is the future. 
What are we looking forward to when we look forward to the day of the Lord? What does this future look like? It's good news. The future is good news. But along with the good news, and this is often the case with good news, there's also some hard news wrapped up into it. Because the things that have made our world broken have also made us broken. And the things that God has come to refine with a fire, he also needs to refine in us. God's love for us is of such a nature that he refuses to allow us to remain immature, underdeveloped people. He refuses it. He will not allow us to be immature, underdeveloped people. He loves us beyond our immaturity. He loves us into our development. The day of the Lord is coming. And God is going to deal with all of the brokenness in this world. And he's going to deal with all of the brokenness inside of us. And he's going to take away all of our insecurities. And he's going to deal with all of our addictions. And he's going to resolve all of our need to control all of our circumstances. And he's going to calm our nerves. And he's going to mend our broken hearts. And he's going to rejoice over us with singing. If you've lived a bit of life, maybe you've figured this out. Very often, good news starts with hard news. My name is Stefan and I'm an alcoholic. Good news starts with hard news. Recovery comes through surrender. Reconciliation comes through struggle. Redemption comes through humility. The good news often starts with hard news. The day of the Lord is near, but God doesn't come at us with a flaming sword that he wields at us wildly and violently. He doesn't come at us with a sword, he comes at us with a scalpel. And in a way that you might beg a brilliant surgeon to do just what she needs to do for you, we approach our Savior with the same perspective. It's not a wild and violent, angry sword, but it's the brilliant precision of a scalpel. He aims, God, Christ aims for where it hurts, but he aims with precision, and he aims to heal. What are your assumptions about the future? How is your perception of the future impacting the way that you show up in the present? Friends, we can do hard things today because the future looks good. We can do hard things today because the future looks good. Even in the coming of the day of the Lord, even though God is a consuming fire, even as the surgeon approaches, and on the day of the Lord, our God rejoices over us with singing. Pray with me.
We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your hard yet beautiful news. We thank you that your love for us is so deep and so ferocious that you're not content to leave us as we are and that you insist on growing us. You insist on changing us. You insist on sanctifying us. So as the day of the Lord approaches, as we await the coming of God, we pray that you would give us the courage we need to step forward in our further redemption and to listen closely for the song that you'll sing over us. In the name of Jesus, we pray.